fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. Around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Good day to thee and welcome back to the podcast. Here's what we got coming up for you this week. Hi, I'm Dan Albaum, marketing leader and author of The Impact Makers, Voices of Leadership. And I'll be sharing with you some of the key learnings from the book about how global exceptional leaders drive improved performance based on a servant leader mindset. So on top of that great interview with Dan, we're also going to be talking about the value of lunch and learns. Are they still a great way to warm up prospects and turn them into clients? Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I thought we'd start this week by talking about an advanced marketing strategy, something that you can only really start to focus on and concentrate your efforts on if you've already got the basics in place. What do I consider to be the basics? Well, you've got your fundamentals, so things like getting your website as good as it can possibly be, getting your LinkedIn as good as it could be. Those are your kind of your two basic MSP fundamentals. But then you've got some other basics to do as well. So getting a good lead generation system put into place where you've got the ability to generate leads, build audiences, build a relationship with those audiences, and ultimately commercialize them. And all of the information on how to do that, it's scattered across a whole load of podcasts. In fact, if you go back to, I think it was the end of last year, I think it was the end of last year, it might be in the beginning of this year, where we, I actually did a whole series of specials about that, about the ultimate marketing strategy for MSPs. But you'll find that on our podcast page. But today, what I mean by advanced marketing is putting in place new things which are going to give you sort of huge advantages going forward. But often, as is the case with a lot of advanced stuff, it takes quite a lot of resource to do and it takes quite a lot of effort and you often have to wait for the payback. Now, the advanced marketing strategy method that I want to talk about today is building core partnerships within the marketplace you operate. What do I mean by a partnership? I mean you find the important people or the important organizations at the center of your audiences, at the center of the people who you most want to reach, that you most want to do business with. And you find some way, any way to form a strategic partnership with them. Now, let me give you an example. So this is a real life example from one of the MSPs I work closely with. It's within a vertical, within a niche. And I'm going to change the vertical because I don't want to give the game away of what my uh, my client, and in fact, uh, someone who's become a friend of mine, is doing with his marketing. So I'm, I'm going to give it a different niche. We'll say CPAs, accountants, chartered. What's that? What does CPA stand for? Is it chartered professional accountant? Something like that. Here in the UK, we just call them accountants, but I'm conscious they're called CPAs in many other countries. So let's say it's CPAs. And let's say you are in a specific area or a state or a city, and you want to get more CPAs. In fact, you've decided that CPAs are the future for your business. So you've still got your general business, uh, but you've got a f- two, three, four, five CPAs that you work with and you, you want 10, 20, 30 more. This, by the way, is a great strategy in itself. Keeping your general business that got you from where you started a few years ago to, to sort of where you are now, but actually deciding that going forward, you want to focus in just on a vertical or on, or on a niche, on a niche. This is a very smart thing to do and what a lot of MSPs do around about 10 to 15 years in. 
So let's say it's CPAs. Let's say it's CPAs within a 100 mile radius. And there's, there's let's say there's more than enough of them because you only want 20 or 30 more of them and, and you're happy with that. That would be a good stop point for you. What can you do to reach those people? Well, a lot of the, the basic marketing tactics I was talking about at the beginning you can do. So building audiences of CPAs and building a relationship with them and commercializing that relationship, which is often done by the phone and having a website that's focused on CPAs and a LinkedIn that's focused on CPAs. All of those things are, as I say, they're basics to do. The advanced stuff comes from building partnerships then with people that they consider to be important. Who do CPAs consider to be important? Well, we could kind of have a guess at this, even if we don't really understand how CPAs work. First of all, they're regulators. In fact, their regulators are top of the important scale because their regulators have the ability to fine them, to put them out of business, and they, they probably have to be registered with some organizations or you know do some CPD or something in some way. So often, even though they're a pain, regulators sort of sit at the top of the important scale. Who are the other people that are important to them? Well, there will be industry bodies, industry associations. There'll be some that they have to be a member of, maybe, and then there'll be others that they choose to be a member of because they find them quite useful. Then there will be other organizations within their world for example, there might be like someone like me doing marketing for accountants. Can you imagine anything more boring? Yeah, accounting, not accounting, marketing for lawyers. That would be more boring than marketing for accountants. Anyway, but there might be someone like me, uh, you know, like coaching accountants, helping them to grow their business, just add up the figures. Uh, there, you know, there's all sorts of people that that within their sort of biosphere, because because you're in the in the channel biosphere, in the MSP biosphere, and they're in the CP. Biosphere, and there will be a whole series of people in there. So the challenge for you is to go and meet with those people if you can, and slowly over time build some organic relationships and become more and more and more important to them. For example, um, you might let's take one of those, or let's take let's take the guy that does marketing for accountants. And uh, uh, what what does that guy want? So what what does anyone want? They want more more new business. That he, he will want more new clients. He will want to sell more to his existing clients, which is your in, and he will want to get his existing clients to buy more every single time they, they buy from him because those are the only three ways to grow a business. And if he's good at marketing for accountants, he'll understand that. So you could seek out this person. You could offer him something to help. For example, you could say, hey, I work with accountants in the same area as you. Uh, um, I, you and I have the same clients, but we're not in competition with each other. What could I do to help you? What could I do to make your life easier? And what you're looking to do is you're looking to build some value quickly and early on for this person. So it would make sense to go with someone like this, someone that's got a more commercial offering early on, and you build some value for them. Now, that may, would be a conversation that you would have with them. For example, you might have something that they can sell to their clients, or you might have information or advice or something of huge value that they can pass on to their members or something like that. You don't really know until you have the conversation. And you may have to have two or three conversations. You may have to meet up for lunch or for coffee, but that's the point. This, this requires an investment in time and in resource and, and you, you, there's no fast way of doing it because the whole point here is to build a solid relationship with someone. But at some point, there's going to be something you can help them with. And that's where this really becomes quite exciting and, and the power comes into it from your point of view. You can do something for them. They, uh, as part of that, expose you to the accountants, to the CPAs that they are working with. And that is what you want. Because suddenly now you have a strategic partnership with them and you, you may try and do something back the other way. 
That's the smart play, is where they rely on you for something and you rely on them for something. This is this is coming towards uh, being a real strategic partnership. And uh, at that point, they're telling their clients about you. You're telling your CPA clients about them. And that's the kind of thing that could go on for a number of years. You could speak at each other's events. You know, you could back each other up. You could form parts of groups. It might be that if, if they had meetings, that you go along to meetings and you talk about technology for CPAs. You know, you don't get paid for any of this, but what you're getting to do is you get to be the authority in the room or the authority on the webinar in, in front of exactly the kind of people that you want to reach, and that is beautiful. Now, once you've done those, those sort of commercial relationships, because those are the easiest ones to start, what you're looking to move up to, you're kind of moving up to where the regulator at the top is is the ultimate destination. And so along the way, you, you would try and do the same thing with some associations or some memberships or, you know, the insurance companies that look after them. You look at everyone, their whole biosphere. Who's around and who can we build a relationship with? And you won't be able to do it with everyone. Some of them will be closed shops. Literally, their arms are folded. They don't want to know you. They're not interested. It might be some kind of old boys club or something like that. Yeah, you just have to kind of see how it goes. But as I said, one, one of the MSPs I'm working closely with, in his vertical, he has managed to work his way up into the regulator. And it's been about three years' work. He's done so much work. So he's been to all the trade shows. He's a speaker. He's an exhibitor. He writes endlessly. You know, he markets endlessly. His job is not delivering the tech in the business. He has great staff to do that for him. His job is being the face of the business and building partnerships and all the other things that are important. And over a period of time, he's worked his way into the regulator where now they're working together on a project about the future of technology in that vertical, which is beautiful. And it was a little bit of being in the, the right place and the right vertical at the right time. So luck absolutely, well, luck, great timing, which is luck, great timing played a, a part in that, but he was there and he was ready. And he was, he was very open to, we're gonna build strategic partnerships because now he is the number one go-to technology partner in his vertical. And you know you could throw another 20 MSPs into that vertical and they will very they will struggle to catch up because of the head start that he's got and it, you know we're talking in three years I would say he's done 10 years worth of work it's very very impressive and um, if he's listening to this I'm, I'm sure you, you'll know I'm talking about you and I'm genuinely uh, um, not gobsmacked is the right word but proud of what you've done because you've done an incredible amount of work in three years but anyone can do it it might take you more than three years you can do it you've got to put those strategic partnerships together so some actions from this bit for you number one is if you don't have a vertical or a niche or a niche, please do think about it. The easiest place to start is who are you already working with? If you have two or three of them, you're already in a vertical. You just have to have a, a marketing mindset to expand that vertical. The second thing then is if you're there, what strategic partnerships can you build? Who's important to you? Who are the big authority figures that your potential future clients are already listening to? And what's in it for them to have a decent in-depth conversation with you. Here's this week's clever idea. There's an idea that's been around for years and years and years. And I think COVID killed it. And I'm not quite sure if it's come back or not, but if it hasn't come back, if you're not doing this, embracing this idea, then there's an opportunity for you here. What's the idea? It's the lunch and learn. It's simply getting a small number of prospects into a room you give them some lunch 
and you teach them some stuff they didn't know before. Preferably, you don't just teach them, you don't just educate them, you also entertain them, which is, of course, edutainment. The concept of getting people in a room, even if it's just for 60 to 90 minutes, and embracing them, involving them into your world, and positioning yourself as that authority figure, which we were just talking about, it's so, so powerful. In fact, it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. 60 minutes or 90 minutes spent with someone in a room can jump your relationship forward by a factor of X. It's such a dramatic thing to do. And yet, so few MSPs are doing this. Now, so few were doing it before the kind of the lockdown in 2020 ended all of that kind of stuff. And I don't hear people talking about it that much. I mean, maybe maybe you're doing it. Maybe other MSPs are doing it. I'm not saying it isn't happening, but it doesn't seem to have rebounded in the way that you know big events have done and that a number of other real life things have done. If you've ever done lunch and learns in the past, maybe it's time for you to think about it. If you've never done them, I would definitely think about it. In fact, you could do one, two, maybe even three just as an experiment. Give it a go. See what happens. Now, what's the hardest thing with a lunch and learn? Let me tell you, it's getting people to actually attend and turn up in the room. In my last business, which I sold in 2016, which was a marketing business for optometrists, opticians, veterinarians, vets and dentists, uh, we basically drove much of that business. We had a big telesales operation and we had a, a big field sales, but we did a lot of events as well. So I would go around the country with my salespeople and we'd put on free seminars. And we experimented with just mornings, afternoons, evenings, all days, two days, lunch and learns. And, you know, I think that the one day format was the one that we settled on. But that was because we were selling people, well, we were trying to paint a vision of how their business could be if they improved their marketing. And we needed that day to sort of get them into the emotional state where they realized that actually the key to fixing their business, and of course, you fix your business, you fix a lot of problems. The key to fixing their business was about marketing. I think for technology, a lunch and learn, a 90 minute lunch and learn is more than enough. But when we were running those seminars, we would have 20 or 30 people say they were going to attend a seminar and then you'd get 10 turn up. Now, I mean, 10 is not a bad number, but when you've got like seven people saying they'll be there and two turn up, that's not a seminar. That's an awkward conversation between uh, someone who's paid a lot of money to hire a room for a day and two people who are sitting there with their arms folded saying, come on, entertain me. Oh, ed educate me, especially when one of them leaves at lunchtime. So that's that's you know that's a difficult thing to do. So that was that was our constant battle with our events was getting people to turn up. Now you may have exactly the same thing because when we're talking here about is not getting existing clients to turn up for a lunch and learn. In fact, you could mix your clients and your prospects. That's actually a pretty smart thing to do. You have a couple of clients mixing with four or five prospects because of course. Over lunch, the clients talk and they say that, oh, yeah, actually, these guys look after our IT and they're amazing. Obviously, you don't put unhappy clients in the room. You only have happy clients, satisfied clients. But the hardest thing is getting people in a room. So how do you do that? I'll tell you how. You make the value. Well, there's a number of things you do. The first thing is you make the value of what you're going to give them on the day so huge that they really wouldn't want to miss it. So, you, for example, you might do something about cybersecurity. Now, ordinary people on the whole 
don't really understand cybersecurity. They can't describe ransomware. They've never really, most of them haven't actually seen it. It's n- it's not as real a thing to them as it is to you and to me. You see ransomware and cybercrime on a regular basis. I obviously do a lot of marketing around it and I have seen uh, a, a ton of videos about it as well. So it's it's very real and it's a big thing to us. To them, it's not. So you have to you'd have to position cybercrime in a very specific way or cybersecurity because if you say to them, please come to a lunch and learn about cybersecurity, security and ransomware that that's just that doesn't tick the box that doesn't float the boat He's got to make it more interesting to them. So it might be that you perhaps do some dark web scanning, literally there in the room, that in the room we will completely free of charge, we'll do a $500 dark web scan on your domain. It's confidential, you know, it'll stay within the realms of the room and obviously nothing confidential will get out, but you'll know whether or not any personal information from your business has been leaked or is for sale on the dark web. So something like that might be more intriguing to people than just a lecture about cybersecurity. So you have to make the, the value proposition really high because when you ask someone for 90 minutes and you're not asking them for cash, but I would argue 90 minutes of their time is more valuable than asking them for, say, a couple of hundred dollars because that, that time is finite. Money really is infinite. I know it doesn't feel like that uh, when you're trying to meet payroll, but money is infinite. There's tons of money out there. Your job is just to go and get more of it and collect it in and put it into your bank account instead of one of your competitors' bank accounts. But time is finite. When the time is gone, there is no more of it. So you have to uh, focus really hard on painting that value. This is why a lunch and learn is is is, is kind of a value add because, hey, it's only lunch. You get a free lunch and it's 90 minutes and you might learn something while you're at it. So that actually ticks the box as well. The other thing is you need to follow these people up well. So if they register for something three, four weeks out, uh, you need to make sure that you're following them up a week before. You know, just checking that you're still attending. Uh, You know, we've got you down for this. We've only got 10 places and we currently have 13 people registered. So please, can you let me know? Will you definitely be there? You know, when someone books, you send them an email, you send them a calendar invitation, uh, you send them, you, you actually send them something in the post you literally mail or ship them a a, a letter confirming their appointment we did that and our our attending rate went up in the last business Um, so the other thing that you do is you you only ever do one of each event so we learned this the hard way if you do 10 events people book in for the first event and then they all cancel the day before because you know what it's like we all commit to things and then we get to the day and we think oh i can't be bothered but actually if there's a glimmer of of interest in the back of their head and there is no other event to book onto then that will force some people to attend and there's, there's kind of another other clever little things that you can do like giving them gifts you know and i don't mean i i, I mean, that could be merch or it could be a book you could say in fact this worked really well uh, on the day we'll give you you know a, a t- a $20 Amazon gift voucher and 10 of the best business growth books that we've ever read as a recommendation. You know, so like a list, a list of, of uh, a recommendations. So they, they could take that $20 home and spend it on cat food or they could... Do they sell cat food on Amazon? Of course they do. They sell everything on Amazon. Or, or they could send it on the business book recommendations. You get the idea. So you kind of have to over oversell and, and you know over-egg the pudding on the lunch and learn. But I do believe it's worth it because you will get people in the room and you've got their attention for 90 minutes. You are the authority for 90 minutes and it doesn't matter whether or not you are a confident public speaker it really doesn't matter as long as your content is interesting and in fact if you're not a confident public speaker 
the worst thing you could do is over PowerPoint it. Hello everyone, uh, welcome. We've got a 612 slide PowerPoint for you in the next 90 minutes. That may make you feel a little more confident because there's content there ready. But the reality is, if you're not a confident public speaker, the passion for technology and protecting people that you have deep in your heart is way, way better than, you know, 500 slides of PowerPoint. You might want a few bullet points so you know the areas to go to, but live dark web scanning someone is, is a great thing to do. You know, live looking at someone's security or examining them or questioning them or doing a Q&A session, all of those things are much more interesting than death by PowerPoint. So if this is something you've ever thought about doing or you just want to try something new please do try a lunch and learn and do you know what i'd be fascinated to hear how you get on and to hear how ordinary people are responding to lunch and learns right now about subjects like cybersecurity. why don't you let me know how you got on you can drop me an email my email is hello at paul greens mspmarketing.com paul's. paul's blatant plug if you love being inspired with new ideas to improve the marketing of your MSP, which ultimately gets you more new clients and more money in through the door, then you will love our YouTube channel. We are adding new videos all the time, sparking you off with clever ideas, clever marketing strategies and tactics that you can use to make more money from your MSP. Go and have a look now. We're at youtube.com slash MSP marketing. The big, big, big interview. Hello, I'm Dan Albaum. I'm a marketing leader and author of The Impact Makers, and I'm fully passionate and committed to the idea of exceptional leadership built on a servant leader mindset. And we're going to explore exactly what a servant leader mindset is later on in this interview. Dan, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here uh, on the podcast. I think I was on your podcast around about a couple of years ago. So it's, it's wonderful to, to finally be able to turn the tables and get you onto this show. And we're going to talk about your book. It's called The Impact Makers. Tell us what this book is about and why Every MSP should get a copy. Well, Paul, this book, uh, The Impact Makers, Voices of Leadership, is all about sharing best practices and sharing the passion and the learning of more than 75 successful global leaders around the world in their journey towards delivering exceptional leadership. And the common thread behind this exceptional journey is a servant leader mindset, which is really focusing on the growth and the well-being of team members and their communities and not putting yourself as the leader first, but really thinking first about empowering your teams to achieve everything that they can. And leadership is one of those things that so many MSPs really, really struggle with. Take us, take us through the themes of the book and what the, what the big picture messages are. What we do in the book is really break down this idea of exceptional leadership into six guiding principles. And I think this is something that every leader uh, within an MSP can really take to heart and apply to their organization. The first is around developing and nurturing a culture of innovation, to think differently, to think outside the box. And I think in today's disruptive environment, we can all relate to the benefits of, of really differentiating through an innovative culture. The second principle is around the importance of developing healthy, trusted, and aligned relationships. And so whether it's one-to-one, peer-to-peer, or we think about uh, teams within an organization, 
We think about ecosystems. MSPs can probably relate to this of organization to organization. The power of that trusted, authentic relationship will win over time. And it's another key source of delivering exceptional leadership. The third principle is around valuing diversity, diversity in thought, diversity of experience when you look at the composition of your organization. And that uh, can take on a lot of different forms in terms of levels of experience from mature to, to entry level, in terms of industry experience. It certainly has um, uh, in terms of being diverse, in terms of just socioeconomic representation, a lot of different ways to define diversity. But the one common thread of success is that organizations that do value diversity, and there have been studies on this, Paul, do outperform those that are not. So a really critical concept to remember. The next principle uh, is around data and leveraging data to make improved decisions over time. You know, how to establish a consistent and a disciplined process to know what is truly important and not to get overwhelmed in a sea of data, but rather be selective in really leveraging the data that will lead to the most important decisions. So that's the next principle. And then from that, as uh, any leader in an organization, your behaviors in terms of exceptional leadership is a model for others in the organization. And so what are the things you need to think about? Again, beginning with the servant leader mindset, but what are the things that um, you exhibit that are observed and hopefully copied by others within an organization to deliver on that? And then the last principle, and this was one, Paul, you talk about in the book, which is the power of an optimistic mindset. So we're not talking about process. We're not talking necessarily even about behaviors, but here it's a mindset and a perspective that is optimistic, that is energetic, and that brings that in a contagious way into the organization and driving future strategy. Yes, I remember you and me talking about that um, some point in the past. And it's so cool to see yourself in a book, by the way. So thank you so much for including my little contribution into that. Uh, you, you've laid, I mean, you've done all the work here. You've done a, a great deal of work to look at those six big principles of great leadership. And what do you say to, to you know, your, your everyday business owner who is just busy, busy, busy and doesn't really have a lot of time to think about this kind of stuff? We all deal with that in our busy professional lives, Paul, where sometimes it just feels like there's just more things to do than we can possibly uh, have enough hours in the day to do. But at the end of the day, uh, if, if you um, accept and understand, and the track record proves this out on the importance of that server, servant leader mindset and the focus on people and on empowering people, if you start there and you start engaging with your teams, uh, before just being focused on what are the outputs of your organization, look a little inward, start engaging with your team, really do an honest assessment. Are you really maximizing the performance and the capabilities of the teams, of the, of the people you've got in your organization? And what are their inputs? What do they feel is, is working well? What do they feel um, they're falling short in? And then build from the inside out an approach and a process that ultimately will optimize your team's contributions. And that's probably going to involve some discomfort for some of your leaders that are maybe used to managing in a more hierarchical, traditional way that's focused more about their objectives and then translating those objectives into the outputs of their teams, but turning it around to say, 
how do I remove the barriers and how do I better empower my teams to accomplish more? And by starting on the inside, Paul, my experience certainly in working with a lot of tech companies, and I think this would be the case for your, your MSP uh, clients as well, you'll see amazing results over time because you should be able to more passionately engage with your clients. And clients can see that. That's transparent. When, when you are aligned in your organization and you're empowering your teams, there's an aura about that. When you go out and you engage you know, with your clients, that is a positive uh, reflection of um, your commitment as a leader in your organization. And so from a competitive standpoint, you're doing it. Some of your competitors are probably not doing it. And it's going to give you a leg up. So inside, focus inside, and then take that to the outside for competitive advantage. You mentioned earlier discomfort when you're going through a process like that. I think sometimes the discomfort is, it's almost, it's an internal notification from us that we are doing something brand new because as humans, we don't like being uncomfortable. We, you know, we are driven to be comfortable, but that was, that was when we were cave dwellers. And now we have the ability to think bigger and to, to imagine, you know, going places that we've never been before. Something else that you mentioned, Dan was, and you've mentioned a couple of times was, was the servant leadership. Can you explain exactly what that is? It really um, flips the script in terms of traditional models of leadership, where you think about myself as the leader of an organization or a team. I've got uh, typically, I've got more experience, I've got more seniority. And so um, the temptation might be to rely on that title and that uh, authority structure to impose my will and to impose my view. And then it's really about, oh, well, my team just needs to execute on my vision and my objectives. And this is about what I've laid out and they're helping me be successful. It flips the script on that to really say as a leader, it really says, set your ego aside and think about being an enabler. Your biggest gift to the organization, uh, I found this to be the case in my experience, may be how well you develop your people and get them to elevate their performance and contribute more to the organization that that could have ever been thought possible before. And so what this means is, what are those blockers? What is the trust that you're willing to place in your next line of of leadership? Uh, Sure, you've got to agree on overall objectives and there's accountability around um, overall team achieving its goal. But at the end of the day, knowing when to step out of the way and let them be fully empowered, help remove those um, obstacles to their success, give them the resources they need, And you'll be amazed at what happens in terms of morale, in terms of the passion, in terms of the confidence, and then ultimately just watching people grow, be able to be promoted, be able to contribute more in new and different ways. That's the telltale sign of a leader. If you can generate that, that's the long-term test, not just the imposition of your specific view of what the team should be doing. Yeah, I love it. So exciting. Final final thing I want to reflect on. You you mentioned earlier as well using data. So when you talk about data, specifically what what kind of data, how would you collect it? How would you best use it to improve your your leadership position? We are in a time there's never been uh, more availability of data and information that pertains to our business. It may be transactional information in terms of our customer transactions. It could be data around our product uh, performance from a revenue, from a profit perspective. We are literally swimming in data, but what so many organizations find out is that you can be overwhelmed. You can have too much data and not know what are the most important questions to ask. 
how to manage your progress using that data into uh, translating that into specific decisions. And analogy I use in the book, I take a very personal experience. So I'm a guy that is is very active. I've been very fitness oriented my whole life, worked at a fitness company for several years. But to me, breaking down your goals, you may have um, significant, big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs, we all have them. But that can be overwhelming if you break that goal down into more manageable, small increments. It's amazing over time, the cumulative effect of time. It's like uh, the time uh, value uh, equation for um, interest on your money. It's like the cumulative interest that builds over time. And my example was um, I was motivated by a friend to uh, really take on a personal journey for a push-up challenge to raise money for um, veterans that are committing suicide at unbelievably high rates. And as part of that, this was a 22 push-up challenge. I did the challenge over 22 days, 22 push-ups. And that sparked the next challenge, working with my personal trainer to say, well, where can I go next? And I came up with a goal in eight months to max out the number of push-ups I could do in 60 seconds. But we didn't just start and doing the max out at 60 seconds. What we did was we started at 20 seconds and we did a one second increment per every Friday for 40 weeks to build up my strength over time, to be able to do more push-ups. And you know, Paul, at the end of the year, after completing that challenge, I look back and I asked my trainer, how many push-ups did I do in total? Because we recorded everything. I did more than 17,000 push-ups. The lesson wow. here is that if you would have told me at the beginning of that journey, Paul, Dan, we're going to start training and you're going to do 17,000 push-ups over the next eight months, you know where I would have been? I would have run for the hills, okay? Yeah. I would have run away. But the lesson of just one second per week, not that much, but then you're building your strength, you're growing and heading towards achieving that final goal. So small increment goals, break it down. Oh, I love that. I love it. You're absolutely right. The th I mean, the thought for me of doing seven push-ups is, uh, is too much. Dan, thank you so much. You've been such a great guest. Tell us uh, where we can get hold of your book, The Impact Makers. And also, how can we get in touch with you as well? Impact Makers out available wherever you buy books uh, on Amazon, certainly barnesandnoble.com, uh, available in both the ebook version and uh, printed paperback. So very easy to find. And if you have questions, feedback, want to reach out and contact me, you can find me at Dan at marketimpactnow.com. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hey folks, I'm Marcus Sheridan, the author of They Ask You Answer, and the book that I got to recommend to you, because it's really changed my life, changed my business in many, many ways, is Good to Great by Jim Collins. I've listened to it over and over again, and there's this one principle that has helped me so much when I was debating about what should I do, what should I do. It's called the Hedgehog Concept. And in a nutshell, what it means is understanding what can you be the best in the world at? Yes, what are you passionate about, but what can you be the best in the world at? What can you really just find your mojo with? And for me, because I understood Hedgehog Concept, I was able to say, all right, I don't want to be all things to all people. I need to have a clear lane. And because we got in that lane, it completely changed our business. So Good to Great by Jim Collins. Coming up, Coming up next week. Hey there, I'm Jeff Felton from contentremedy.co. And I will be on the show next week to talk about email marketing, most specifically lead magnets and welcome sequences and how a, an effective lead magnet and welcome sequence can help you turn more prospects into leads, nurture relationships better, and obviously get more sales from email marketing. 
Wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast right now, please do subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Because on top of that interview for next week, we'll also be talking about how to remove all the friction from your sales. Make it easier for people to buy from you and more people will buy. Kel surprise. Yeah, I just did a bit of French there. Don't forget we have loads more content at youtube.com slash MSP marketing. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK. For MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP. MSP Marketing Podcast.